This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. My name is Jake Landau. I'm live from London. I'm cosplaying as a Red Bull player today. <laughs> I'm joined by my co-host, Thomas Godden. And you're in New Mexico, back in New Mexico, but you'll be moving around over the next few months. So thanks so much for joining us, guys. We're going to talk about some U.S. men's national team stuff. We have a lot to get through today. Christian Pulisic saved Chelsea at West Ham over the weekend. And Thomas Tuchel made some interesting comments about him losing his starting spot because of international travel. So we'll talk through that. Our team may be cursed as well because Serginho Dest was subbed at halftime, which looked like Xavi, the coach, was mad at him, but it comes out today that he's actually injured for the rest of the season. He's one of many with the U.S. men's national team that is now out until the end of the season with injury. And we're going to finish up with a community poll from the FIFA America Discord, talking through who we want to see as a community of the starting 11. So let's kick off before we get to it. Tom, you're cosplaying as a Furman student today. <laughs> yeah, throwing back to my undergrad today with my old Furman shirt. Um, yeah, just a very crazy time. I'm very. I'm actually speaking at a conference in England tomorrow, so I'm prepping for that today and just relaxing and getting ready for graduation and move back to the East Coast here coming up less than a month from now. Nice. On video though, right? You're not flying um, overnight No. tonight. No, no, no. I've got a talk at seven in the morning, my time in Exeter via Zoom at a conference. Uh, the Yeah, that I've been planning to speak at for a while. It's my first sort of big talk. I'm glad I'm not having to fly over there because I've basically spent the entire month on the road and I'm kind of done with travel for a couple weeks. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, maybe a good time to talk about some soccer in England. Christian Pulisic, again, he scored against West Ham in the dying minutes to save Chelsea give them three points. It was a crucial game for both teams who are fighting for the European spots. There has been talk about Thomas Tuchel's usage of Christian Pulisic. And after the game, Tuchel actually said part of the reason why he lost his spot was all of the international travel. So Tom, what is stopping Pulisic from putting performances like he had this weekend, like he's had after the COVID restarts, putting all of that together consistently? Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's fixtures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series this year? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. I feel like some of it has to be confidence and some of it definitely has to be overuse. This is definitely a stressful year for him. He's been back and forth across the Atlantic several times. These US match windows are not only physically exhausting, but they have to be mentally draining as well. You could tell when he came back, he just wasn't the same player he was before leaving. So 
I think that the U.S. definitely has played a role in it. And I just think that his confidence is so variable. When he's on it, you can tell he's feeling it. He goes after players. He makes great plays. But when he's not feeling it, he just just doesn't seem to have the same energy, the same enthusiasm. He doesn't really affect the game that much. So I think if we could sort of stabilize his confidence level, that would do wonders. But also giving him just a rest from the international scene will do wonders for him as well. Yeah. I mean, I'll ask you about the Nations League in a bit because that's coming up quite quickly in June. And we might want Christian Pulisic there. But I loved your point about the overuse, the resting, the confidence. All of that kind of goes into the way that Thomas Tuchel seems to be just very inconsistent with how he's using Christian Pulisic. Now, we don't know anything that's happening on the inside, but from an outsider's perspective, it is very inconsistent. Christian Pulisic comes into the starting lineup. Sometimes he scores, he assists, then he goes on international duty. He gets sat for Timo Werner, who has historically for Chelsea been one of their worst producing attackers. Now you can make any type of arguments for Kai Havertz or maybe Lukaku, but Christian Pulisic seems to be time and time again, the player that gets overlooked, even though his minutes per goals and assist contributions are always at the top for this Chelsea 11. Now we also see on Twitter, just the normal cynicism with us fans and Chelsea fans, but it seems like the, the scope is the microscope is really on Christian Pulisic at all times when he doesn't get a goal and an assist, especially with the Chelsea fan base. What do you think that impacts his confidence at all? You would think it has to, I mean, Pulisic came in for 70 million euros. He, Where's the number 10 for Chelsea? He was the player who pulled them to a Champions League spot during Project Restart. His expectations his first season at Chelsea sort of set the bar so high that Chelsea fans seem to have very little room for him to dip in form at all. And also just that's just the way it works when you're at one of the largest clubs of the world is if your form dips, you're going to get sat. Teams are player fans are going to get mad at you. And I think Pulisic gets that more than anything because of the price tag on him and the number he wears. And probably there's a little bit of American bias there too, where, you know, we, there's so many U S fans who are just watching Chelsea for him. There's so many people who don't really view American soccer favorably. And so there's a few factors like that that are always going to come into play as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it just seems like it's so volatile in that space. If you, Search after this game where he gets the game-winning goal. He's the second coming of Eden Hazard and always has been. Uh, just two games ago, they should be selling him for pennies on the dollar, or pennies on the euro, I guess, uh, in the next transfer window. So it's really hard as a U.S. fan and someone who's cheering for Pulisic and maybe not necessarily the team that to just see all of that. And again, thinking about Christian Pulisic as a human being to have to live through all of that have to go through all of that while his fan base is so volatile and just even supporting him and backing him that must be really difficult but to the point of um thomas tuchel his his comments on the international travel i mean chelsea is a tough one because tiago silva is a brazilian center back but i'm just trying to think throughout the the rest of their team they don't have many other south american players or even uh, like players from South of Africa that need to go play there for international travel. Um, Not many Asian or Pacific players that play for Chelsea. 
but it isn't you know there's brazilian players there's south american players all over europe is international travel back to the east coast west coast time zones an issue it's never easy i mean i haven't done it in a while so i wouldn't probably be the best person to ask what that's truly like but you know i've spent this month jetting back and forth east coast to west coast and it definitely impacted my productivity even just as a normal person trying to function i had to take some time to sort of reset every single time i did it and then you add in playing three games in nine days in some of the most stressful matches you'll play in your life with the failure of the last cycle hanging over your head there's a huge mental and physical tax that Pulisic took even beyond just the flights, just to sort of get through those windows. And we all, all know he was putting too much pressure on himself throughout this campaign anyway. So it might've affected him more than anyone else on the team having to go bear the burden of being the U.S.'s savior, essentially. Now, taking a selfish point of view and thinking about the U.S. being involved in the World Cup in the winter, so we have a few months until that happens. Do you feel like from a U.S perspective Chelsea is the right place for Christian Pulisic to be going into that winter world cup I don't know I personally am fine with him staying there but I would like to see him at a place that utilizes their wingers in a little bit different way I've never really liked the way Tuchel's system set up for wingers it's set up way more for defenders and midfielders than it is for someone like Pulisic who I feel like is best when he can really stretch the field, get out wide, get in behind. And Pulisic's, or Tuchel's system really just doesn't sort of suit Pulisic's play style very well. He always seems like he's a bit out of position. Can you think of a club that you would like to see him go to that would be better for both playing time and system? I think Liverpool would be better for system, but I don't think the playing time would be as good. I, I just I don't know if there's a club that's going to have both of those that's really good yeah. for him. It's just like maybe a little too little too late for Liverpool. I mean, if he had joined the club before Diego Jota or Luis Diaz, then that mm-hmm. he would have been perfect there. But I think he's probably just at the point where they're overloaded with wingers. Liverpool doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily need more attackers of Christian Pulisic's ilk. I think about Barcelona, but then you have Ansu Fati and Dembele on the left and the right. So again, you're you're really you know, pulling at straws to go against really attacking young technical wingers um, that are developing nicely into quite, you know, world-class players, you can say. Um, I, although I would love to see Christian Pulisic and Usman Dembele have a reconnection because that was one of the best times at Dortmund was to see those two play together. Even Real Madrid, I mean, Vinicius Jr. is a young winger, that isn't leaving anytime soon. So you think about all these teams that have really uh, wide playing wingers, like speed, like technicality, all of them are kind of set for the next five to 10 years in terms of the the youth that they have and, and the talent that they have at those positions. But it's one of those, like, I have a feeling that Chelsea isn't the best place for him, but to make a change in the summer four or five months before the World Cup, that adds additional risks to Christian Pulisic's development and his playing time and his fitness. Yeah. I'm not sure this is the year to do it. I think if he's going to go, it's got to be after the world cup. I feel like he's established. We know that Tuchel likes him. 
we know that even though he's inconsistent, he doesn't have the international sort of pressures on him leading into the World Cup. We have, what, one September window. We have four games this summer that are not going to impact his preseason at all. He's basically going to get the full next eight months with Chelsea to do just to focus just on his career with Chelsea, not have to worry about the U S not have to worry about prepping for the world cup at all. So it could be a really good time for him to sort of solidify himself in the team without that constant intermittent international breaks in there. But I also get that feeling that, you know, Chelsea just doesn't seem to fit him stylistically. He's played a lot of time out of position at places like wing back and striker. And those are just not Christian Pulisic's best positions. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know where we could see him that would be better. Maybe a place like Bayern Munich, but they don't really utilize their wingers in a way that would make Pulisic super successful. They rely more on their wingbacks for that. They also what would you think come of... on in Nabry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if we wanted to stay at a top-tier team, it seems like Chelsea's the best place. If you're thinking about the teams who are sort of yearly Champions League competitors, there's an argument to be made though that maybe dropping down to maybe a mid-table Premier League side might be better in the long run. What do you think about something like that? It's it's really tough. Like I I do think he could. I, I'm not opposed to that after the World Cup, but being a ten at one of the club at one of the best clubs in the world. I mean, they are defending. They will lose it this year, but they are defending European champions. He dragged them to that spot, scored and assisted in the semifinal against Real Madrid to, to get them to the final. Like, I I don't want to see him in a break. Um, if we get as well, and a mid-table team that's kind of like solidified themselves wants to get him and, and wants to pay Chelsea for him, I'm not really opposed to that. I think mm-hmm. he would do well to be at a place that he can really like develop with less pressure. He's still 23. Mm-hmm. Like there are places he can go for the next four to eight years and be a, a true shining star and still get the belief, the support, the playing time, all of that to, to back him. We also have to take into account that this is Chelsea. And realistically, how much longer can we expect Thomas Tuchel to stick around Chelsea? Yeah. It, they always seem to win. They always seem to be good, but they are always in flux. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit about Barcelona, but on Sunday night, the American on Barcelona, Serginho Des, started in La Liga and he was subbed out at halftime. So what initially was reported as Xavi being upset with him, it actually looks like he was injured and he'll be injured for the rest of the season. So I just want to ask, like, with Serginho Dest, Weston McKinney, Gio Reyna, Matt Turner, Chris Richards, and more players out until the end of the season. are Is the U.S. men's national team cursed, or what is to blame for so many of these injuries? I, I feel like some of this has to do with the fact that our pool is so small, that we really only have 15 reliable players in Europe who are truly international quality. And so when a couple of them go down, it's sort of alarm bells start flaring immediately. Teams like Canada that have starting players in Europe don't really go through this as much as we do. So it almost feels like we're a bit cursed. But some of that I feel like has to be blamed on FIFA and CONCACAF, right? I mean, the change from the hexagonal to the Ocho, the condensed World Cup schedule, the uh, 
just insane amount of games that these guys had to play is starting to really take a toll on the U.S. men's national team. It feels like they haven't really had a rest since COVID hit. And this last year especially has been brutal with these three-game windows. So it feels like we're a bit cursed. But also, do you feel like FIFA could do a better job taking care of our of players in general and especially helping out CONCACAF players to not be in the situation? I do, but I I hesitate to say that without having... Since the restart, none of our players have had any time off. The summers have been completely involved in national team duty. We had Nations League, Gold Cup, CONCACAF qualifying. Um, if we think about our starting 11, nine or 10 of them are in Champions League, so they're playing two or three games a week for nine or 10 months out of the year. I mean, that has to take a toll on their bodies. And then especially add to the fact that they are usually 23, 24 years old or younger. Usually overuse injuries are for younger players. Mm-hmm. So I, it's really tough. I, I do think FIFA, I do think CONCACAF, I do think UEFA can do something to, to help with this. Um, but I, I just don't know what. Like they have to get their games in. Everybody wants their hands in the pot to get the money that they can recruit from, from the COVID time when there wasn't match day income, uh, there wasn't anything on TV, like everyone needs to get their money back and recover their money, but there, there needs to be a way to protect the players as well. I think with the U S like there's a, uh, a confirmation bias almost for us that the more players get injured, the more people we see out of our starting 11. I mean, it, it just kind of adds up to the point where we, we do feel a bit cursed, even if we just have, one or two additional injuries from other national teams. Yeah. And I, I feel like at least a couple of these can be blamed directly on Burr Halter. I feel especially that January window is part of why we've been in the situation. Tyler Adams was banged up. Chris Richards was banged up. Matt Turner might or might not have had a cold related injury from that awful match we played against Honduras and Minnesota uh, unconfirmed there, but U.S. soccer hasn't been making it the easiest on themselves over the last couple months. They've not rotated players effectively in the March window. I I just, I feel like part of this is exacerbated by Greg Berhalter not rotating his squad effectively and planning effectively where we want to play these games during World Cup qualifying. Yeah. I'm one. I'm curious to get your take because I'm almost like I can't say the word happy, but I I feel like we might be hitting some of these injuries at the right time, where like they're going into the summer break. If they're injured, maybe they won't be pulled into international duty. This might be the first you know four to six week break their bodies have gotten in three years. It like is there something to that or? Like, are you feeling good about the fact that there's injuries now, but maybe that will prevent some overuse or, or whatever it is later down the road when we get closer to the World Cup? I think it's probably a mixed bag. In some cases, I'm really glad that players are going to get a time to rest, a chance to take that full summer off. But at the same time, these guys are so young. They've only played together a handful of times. We still have never seen 
Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney, Serginio Dest, Christian Pulisic, and Tyler Adams on the field at the same time. One of those players is always hurt every single match. The familiarity is not going to be there when we play in these important matches at the World Cup unless they take the time at the beginning of June to really start to gel, play together, get together as a team, take those matches in September to play together. I'm a little worried that we're going to go into the World Cup with essentially a squad of strangers who may have only played with 10 or 12 of the guys on the roster with them before, which is not going to go well come the World Cup. So there's sort of this mixed bag where we have to sort of take into account these guys are injured, these guys are overused, overworked, but they have to be familiar with each other. Otherwise, how are we going to make this World Cup work? Yeah, it's a good point. Thankfully, a lot of these players seem to be good friends off the field. Thankfully, a lot of these players have played together in youth national teams and have, at least they have personal chemistry, but it's Mm -hmm. a whole other piece to have chemistry on the field and to know that this player likes to go inside or outside. This player is going to make this run versus that run. All of that requires time together. And that's just not something these, these players have had. All right, so... Since none of you asked, we are going to talk about the starting 11 that we would have right now. These were voted on by the FIFA America community in the Discord. So guys, if you're not part of the community, but you want to talk about U.S. soccer with me and Tom and with, I don't know, what's it up to? 80 or 90 other people. Yeah, it's up to a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome to see. Um, But if you guys want to be part of this poll, if you guys want to be involved in the FIFA America community and talk about U.S. soccer all the time, Uh, The links are down below in the description and the pinned comment. But we are going to talk a little bit through uh, Tom's wonderful math wizardry and who people voted for to be the starting 11 today if everybody is healthy. So we're going to show the starting 11 here. And oh, no, I'm not because Google Chrome has blocked me. from. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyone watching it on YouTube will see it on the screen. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I can't share it with us right now. So, Tom, talk us through how the voting went and uh, kind of what happened. What were some interesting pieces there that that happened? Yeah. So I asked everyone to sort of fill out this poll. We're going to plan to do this monthly. So if you didn't participate in April, but you're interested for May, make sure you look out for that. Um, basically, what your 23-man roster looks like for the World Cup. And we got a very interesting result. So I'll go through the starting 11 back to front. In goal, we have starting as Matt Turner as our starting goalkeeper with a back line of Jedi Robinson, Chris Richards at left center back, paired with him as Walker Zimmerman at right center back, Serginio Dest starting at right back. Going into the midfield, we had Tyler Adams as the nearly unanimous starter at the center defensive mid. We had McKenney and Musa as the dual eights. The wingers we had in a very contentious battle, uh, Christian Pulisic starting with Gio Reyna on the right wing, and then Jesus Barrera is the starting striker, as voted on by the FIFA America community. If you go into the backups, Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath are our backup goalkeepers. We're taking Joe Scally as our backup left back. DeAndre Yedlin is our backup right back. Miles Robinson and John Brooks round out the center back core. Kellen Acosta is the second six. Then Luca De La Torre and Georgie Mihailovic make the cut as dual eight backups. We brought Tim Weah and Brendan Aronson as our backup wingers and Ricardo Pepe as the backup striker. 
it's really interesting to sort of go through these because there were some positions that everyone was nearly unanimous on who they wanted to be the starter, who they wanted to be the backup. So we were nearly unanimous on the fact that Stefan Turner and Horvath were the three goalkeepers. Gaga Slonina was sort of fourth, but it was a distant fourth. We were near unanimous on we wanted Dest and Jedi to be the starting right back and left back with Joe Scally and DeAndre Yedlin being the backups. It seems like DeAndre Yedlin was sort of preferred to any of our others because of his World Cup experience, which sort of shifted Scally to the left. Scally was definitely the, one of the most popular choices on both sides to be a backup. Tyler Adams, of course, was nearly locked in. Christian Pulisic was a unanimous starter. The really contentious ones seemed to be striker, the right wing position, the right center mid position, and the starting center backs. So we basically can't agree at all on who should be starting at center back. Richards and Zimmerman were sort of edging out other players like John Brooks and Miles Robinson. The fourth center back spot, Cameron Carter Vickers was very close to. And then probably the most interesting question on this whole roster was who should be the, where should Gio Reyna play? FIFA Americans basically split it down the middle. Do they want him to be a right center midfielder? Do they want him to be a right winger? Should he be starting over Tim Weah? Should he be starting over Eunice Musa? No one really seems to be able to agree. It was sort of very fun to watch that play out. He ended up edging Tim Weah out for the starting right winger by a vote and being split nearly 50-50 on whether he was a midfielder or a winger. That's crazy. I think something else happened with the strikers as well. Like Jesus Ferreira was the most picked starter, but Ricardo Pepe was the most picked striker of the two. Is that right? Yeah, Pepe ended up being voted onto rosters four more times than Ferreira, but Ferreira got it, edged him out by a vote for the starting striker position. I think 11 had Ferreira starting to 10 had Pepe starting, and then 22 had Pepe on the roster, but only 18 had Ferreira. What I can take from that basically is that people are high on Ferreira, or they're not. They either really, really like him or they don't rate him at all. Yeah. I mean, thinking about the injuries and who's out and who we haven't seen play together, this is an amazing starting 11. I would love yeah. to see this team play <laughs> together. We just haven't been able uh-huh. to. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I would love to see this roster. If, if this is the roster going to the World Cup, I'm really comfortable with it. Yeah. I, I mean, FIFA Americans know their stuff. This is a great 23 <laughs> to bring now i have one player that's a bit of a surprise for me but i wanted to hear from you is there anyone that just seems out of place or maybe someone that you thought was going to be on here but didn't make the cut i was a little bit surprised to see josh Sargent being rated as highly as he is but not at striker so josh Sargent was only picked to be a striker on the roster one time of 28 votes but he was voted onto the roster seven times as a right winger I mean, maybe if we get more than 23 players, he's he's extremely versatile. Uh, we'll yeah. see how he comes back from this injury as well at Norwich. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got time to make this. But Georgi Mihalovic, to me, was someone who I wasn't necessarily expecting as a backup to Yunus Musa or one of the eights. I mm-hmm. think what's happening there is that Luca De La Torre is essentially the backup to both Weston McKinney and Yunus Musa. And there's yeah. kind of like nobody else there that can really take that position, but I'm happy to see him there. He's still producing an MLS. We talked about him a few episodes ago. I mean, mm. I'm high on Mihalovic, but I, I was surprised to see him make the cut of 23. If we're going to take these players to the world cup tomorrow. 
Yeah, it really comes down to, I think this partially comes down to the fact that I basically asked everyone to choose four midfielders. And if you're not choosing Gio Reyna, then you have basically this sort of pool of Gianluca Busio, uh, Christian Roldan, Sebastian Legette, Georgie Mihailovic, and a few others that are basically the same skill level. And no one really can agree. Mihailovic, I think, gets the edge because he's in blazing good form right now. Sort of the same reason why Zach Steffen only got six votes to start. This I put this poll out right after the sort of FA Cup disaster for Zach Steffen. And, you know, recency bias is always going to be a thing in a poll like this. Someone like Georgi Mihailovic is playing well. Zach Steffen's not going to be not playing well. They're going to sort of get the edge if there's a coin flip. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to all the FIFA Americans that voted, thank you so much. Again, if you want to be a part of this vote for next month, the links will be down in the description and the pinned comment below. Let us know what you think about this starting 11 too, because I'm, I'm pretty jazzed just thinking about all the talent that we have. And if we can get everyone healthy at the right time and in good form, I mean, this team can do some damage come yeah. November and December. Oh yeah. This team could compete in the world cup. This team is full of talent all over the field. I'm excited about it. I'll make sure to put a thread with all on Twitter with all of the sort of polls and roster breakdowns for it all. If you guys are interested in sort of digging into the math more, I, I think it's really fun to sort of watch these polls develop, just sort of seeing what people think, calling out sort of very interesting parts of these polls. And then, yeah, just sort of seeing where we as a community think everyone's at, because we've got just such a cool, we've got such a great pool and it's awesome to see what everyone thinks about everyone playing. Absolutely. All right. So to round up the last week as well, John Brooks makes the team of the week in the Bundesliga Brendan Aronson with a goal for RB Salzburg. Yes, that's the right team. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Eunice, Eunice Musa misses a penalty kick in the final of the League Cup for Valencia. But he's going to pick his head up. We believe in him. We back him. And uh, he'll be back in many more finals to come. Tom, what else do you have to say about the U.S. or anything else for your last word? Um, my last word is going to be check out Haji Wright's goal. If you haven't seen it out already, left footed banger from outside the box. Fantastic strike. Um, he's now got six goals in his last six games in Turkey. So he's on fire and yeah, just going to keep plugging away, getting myself finalized, finalizing everything out here in New Mexico, taking some time to enjoy myself. The word of the day is relax. Just take some time to sort of sit back and enjoy life if you can. I haven't had a lot of time to do that over the last six months or so, but now I'm just sort of coasting and it feel, feels good. <laughs> so you got to take your own advice, Tom. <laughs> All right. My last word as always, uh, leave a comment for us. Let us know what you think. Like the video so more people can find it. Subscribe for more EUS MNT content. And yeah, that's it for the video. That's it for the podcast. I'm going to send us all off with homemade sound effects. So <laughs> thanks, everyone. See you next week. <laughs> and thanks so much to our sponsor for today's video, Bet Online. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.